I'm Nikki. I'm Heather. And I'm Stacy. And um, we're your host of Murder Shows and Comfy. You almost messed me up. Murder Shows and Comfy Clothes. I'm back, bitches. <laughs> she, see, she couldn't wait to say she was back. She was just too <laughs> eager, messing up the whole intro. I wanted to say it before I said I was Heather, but you know, <laughs> fuck that up. Yeah, you did. See, we should have run that back. <sighs> That's what we get for being us. Um, so. Yeah, guys, Heather's back. That's pretty freaking exciting. Um, able to get back in the flow fully. Um, what, back for a week? Yeah, I'm going to have to brush my ass back before the next one because I'm leaving again. I know, you're going to cut it close on us. Um, let's do, I mean, the usual quick disclaimer and then get into things. All right. We are not... We are not experts nor detectives. All information provided in today's episode is public knowledge and personal opinions. There is no reflection of Loco Network or any affiliated sponsor. And one thing I'll say with that, with that disclaimer, it's super important on this one because there is so much dates that one will say this, one will say that. Right. So we're doing the best that we could. <laughs> We talk murder and have foul mouths, so listener discretion is highly advised. Yes, and I hope everybody even just listens to that whole thing, because clearly we just have shown we are not professionals, <laughs> and we are here just doing what we do and being us, and that's what you're going to get from us all the time. So don't ever expect <laughs> anything different. <laughs> Nothing professional. Um, but so... Today we're gonna we're gonna talk on a touchy subject that I honestly think most makes most people cringe. Um, I know. It, I mean, we said it before. Anything relating to children is really hard for anybody just to talk about, it, especially as a parent. Um, but today we're gonna go. Our case today deals with child molestation and, of course, murder. Um, this one was kind of hard for me. I'm not gonna lie. Um, because reading all the like shit that we had, I had very mixed emotions throughout yeah. the entire situation. Absolutely. I went in definitely feeling one day, one mm -hmm. way, and it just spiraled to where now at the end I'm going, hmm. I feel like I went in one way and then I had this and then I ended back kind of where I was. So it, it's difficult for me. I went in the same way I came out. <laughs> same way you went in, you came out. Right. Huh? Okay, well, that should make today exciting then, because <laughs> I definitely am on the fence about a lot of things. Um, I ain't. <laughs> today we're going to talk. I was, but I ain't. Not no more, okay. Um, today we're going to talk about Stacy Ann Lannert. Um, she was born May 28th, 1972. Um, she is a St. Louis native. Born and raised, pretty much, for the most part. Um, the crime itself actually happened, like, 10 minutes from where we are right now. Real close. Yeah, super mm -hmm. close. It happened in uh, St. John, Missouri. And if you know anything about St. Louis, there's, there's a few places you just don't want to drive because of the police presence. And uh, St. Anne and St. John are definitely one of them. They, they love... <laughs> to pull people they over. love to pull people over. I Absolutely. have actually never been pulled over in St. John. Oh my lord, and, I have. And don't have a car that is remotely um, suspicious. Like oh. if you have a fast car, tinted windows. Yes. I mean, you're you're getting pulled over. Yes, and don't ble don't be a white girl with a black man. You know, I was pulled over so many times there just because of the fact of who I was with. Well, and your car stuck out, though, also. Yeah, and you my know, car was bright yellow, tinted windows. Sports car, dark windows. Yeah, yep. so we did not like driving in this area by any means. Um, <laughs> but overall, I wouldn't say it's a bad area overall, though. Like, I mean. No, the, there's some super nice houses, like, back yeah. in subdivisions, you know. Yeah, it's not necessarily, I mean, you have, just like every place you have your rundown you know, areas and stuff. But I wouldn't say overall, like, the crime rate and stuff, I don't think is too bad over there. I don't think we've quite got there yet on that area. Um, but we're going to go back to St. John's 1990. Okay. So 
Um, times were a little different, and we're actually going to go July 4th of 1990. Mm, that's coming up. I know. So it's actually coming up on the 31st, on the 31st anniversary. Um, and I thought this timing of the case was, like, kind of cool. Well, yeah, it's next weekend. I mean, yeah. that's, yeah. So, like, when you guys, like, who picked this one? Stacy. Yeah, I had, um, you know, just through talking to friends about it, and I was given this name and said, you know, look, she is open to talk. She talks about it all the time, interviews over and over. So, yeah. Yeah, so I was I was like, well, I wonder, like, when you picked it, did you notice the date at all? Or mm-hmm. just like, Remember, yeah. she was like, oh, maybe we shouldn't do it. And I was like, oh, girl, this one's good. <laughs> I, just, I was like, I looked at the date. I was like, huh, I wonder if she realized that when she picked the date. No, because she told me about or, I mean, it. the case. She told me about it a long time ago. Oh, really? Yep. Okay. Well, I thought that was kind of cool. Um, but again, we're going to, so we're going to go back to, let's get into it, I guess. Stacy Lannert, born May 28th, 1972, to parents Tom and Deborah Lannert. Her parents met when she was 18 years old and they married about three months, about three months after dating. So that's quick. You're yeah. talking Damn. Yeah. three months. We're but now it said, so it said that her mother didn't have the best childhood either. Mm-hmm. It said that she was molested herself. Um, Deborah was right. Yeah, yes, her mother yeah. Deborah was and molested, the, and, and so I guess Deborah's sister also. Yeah, by their father. Yeah. So it it sounds like she overall maybe was. I mean, three months she was ready to get out of whatever situation she was in. Could have remind been. me to go back to that part that you just said about her sister. Okay. Okay. The mom's sister. No, Stacy's sister. Oh, okay. We ain't get there yet. Yeah. Okay. Um. So, yeah, like her mom was, it said that her mom was sexually abused. Also, it says that there was, like, other people in the family, other other family members who were abusers and or victims. Um, now, I, I say all this because I felt like it was important as far as for my opinion on how it plays a huge role on why her mother seemed to treat Stacy's incident as just kind of a disregard... Um, almost like, well, been there, done that. We're just going to push this one under the rug. And but why I, would she? You would think if... But it sounds like that was her. I mean, that's how that family arose. You know, you I mean, I'd have killed him if my kid oh. came to me and said, you know, after me being... No doubt. Right, yeah. ...abused by my father and then my child come to me and say, oh, daddy's abusing, you know, doing it to me. I'd kill the son of a bitch. I know that. So that's why I was like, I definitely want to like kind of put that out there because that, like you said, like we just said, like any person in their right mind wouldn't just be like, oh, mm-hmm. yeah, that's okay. Um, Stacy had a younger sister um, who was about four years apart from her. Uh, it's said that they moved around a little bit um, and that her father was known to be a drinker. Um, but eventually they settled down in St. John. Her father fully settled down in St. John. Um, it's said that her father began sexually abusing her in third grade. So that makes her, what, eight? Eight? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Third grade eight? Jeez. Yeah. Um, it, it says the abuse turned sexual <clears throat> usually when he had been drinking like fairly heavily, heavily and when him and the mom were into it is where it seems, I guess, mm. in her younger years, where it seemed to be the worst. Um, yeah, she said he was wonderful, like the best daddy ever. I know. When he was sober. He was yeah. a completely different person. Yeah, she and said I, she looked forward <clears throat> to coming home and, like, happy to see him. and Him being sober. I yeah. seen in one of her interviews that she did later that, you know, they had asked that, and she was like, in her mind, she feels like it would have been easier to accept what was going on had he not been... A, you know, so nice, a, when, so nice sober. when he was sober. Yeah. Um, so she definitely does say that in one of her interviews that she does as an adult. Um, but like most, you know, monsters and child molesters do to children, he made her believe that what they were doing was stuff that, you know, fathers do with their favorite daughters. He and, was grooming her. Like, he yeah. would buy her special gifts. Like, I mean, that's grooming definition. Yeah. For sure. Like, and uh, ugh, I just... It makes me angry because it was like when she she didn't realize this stuff as a kid, obviously, but he was, you know, telling her, oh, we have to keep this secret. We have to keep this secret. 
but as she progressed in age around eighth grade she finally starts to realize like this is not okay this is not what the hell is supposed to be going on um and she she tried to distance herself from him and she started to talk to you know her friends and stuff and everything like that but it just made him angrier um so it seems like the abuse increased at that point well i mean it's it says even didn't she like tell caregivers like babysitters yeah she had told cousins okay. um, babysitters i could have swore it said somewhere that she told her school counselor also well it says she it says she did tell her mother mm -hmm. and her mother took her to a psychologist yeah. or something and they found no evidence of sexual abuse no the the um psychologist felt that there was like possibilities there but there was no evidence that it was actually happening why didn't they just flat out ask her i was gonna say i thought they said that there was no evidence of sexual abuse i don't know but this all of this so she's regardless of the fact she has told somebody oh, that yeah. this shit is happening yeah. like she told the mom that regardless yeah. i mean and that right there takes me back to the fact of like her mother's response really bothered me because literally it said that her mother states she would sometimes hear Stacy crying in the basement, but since Tom was down there, she figured he would take care of whatever she was crying about. Now, I don't know about none of everybody else in the world, but if my baby's downstairs crying, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a minute because her dad is down there. Well, you yeah. know, so obviously he should be able to. But if my child is continuing to cry or crying loudly like i'm at least yelling down the steps and saying hey what the hell is going on mm -hmm. like you know well and then it even said like her mom had found her underwear bloodied hidden in the house you know and would underneath the steps yeah and would ask the her about it and she tried you know she was saying it reaching out for help and yeah so like that that again bothers me about the whole mother's response to the situation um, and then it bothers me even more at 12, when Stacy was 12 years old, mm. her parents divorced Yep. and plot twist, her mom up and moves to Guam, remarries Guam. Guam. We're, not, we're not talking like it's because she married Kansas a military man yeah, she, and they were transferred to Guam. Okay. But her kid, she left her kids with her, their father. She left the youngest with the dad, right? Because both of them. They were both okay. Yeah, they both were left with the father. And um, then she, Stacy, went and lived with her mom. Eventually, yeah. Eventually, yes. She eventually got there. Um, but at the time, at this time, when they split, his drinking just increased and increased, increased, which of course made the assaults increase. Um, so when Stacy reached her <clears throat> senior year. She dropped out, and she ended. That's when she ended up moving to Guam with her mom. Um, but that left her sister, who was only like eleven at the time, that left her behind. So I can't imagine. I can't imagine what she had to feel because if this was happening to her, it, she wants to get out the best as she can, the fastest she can. But what did she do? about her sister but if she stays but wasn't it at that point it had been just physical it was only physical to the sister to the younger sister yeah, yeah. he had not sexually, sexually assaulted abused. yeah but but i mean still yeah but no, that's right. the thing is how can you know how can stacy not carry this burden that if she leaves obviously he's taking all that out on her so if she leaves that leaves him and he's, she's doing it to her, mm -hmm. so obviously that only leaves her sister. Yep. And so I can only imagine what she had to freaking battle with that. Um, and it, it said that Chrissy also, her sister also dropped out of school um, and then began bouncing around living with relatives and back at her father's house, relatives back at her father's house. Well, yeah, because I'm sure she wanted out of the situation too. Yeah, because, I mean, like you said, she had been physically abused. Yeah. Um, and... <clears throat> Excuse me. Stacy was getting phone calls from from Christy and basically begging her to come home. What? What she said? Fourteen. She Fourteen like years drunk. old. She would call her drunk. Yeah. And... Yeah. She was calling her drunk. Crying. Or... Exactly. 
And she admitted that he had assaulted her. I don't see anywhere where it says it was sexually, but I, I'm assuming she knew or, you know, they all felt that it was coming. Like, it was... And it was never said that it was done before Stacy okay. left, right? Chrissy never admitted to no. being abused physically before Stacy left. It's like once Stacy left, then he started doing the physical abuse to Chrissy, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's when the, the she would call, you know, call crying Crying, and saying right. he had, you know, hit her and beat her and... Yeah. So, so naturally, um, you know, she's getting these phone calls. So Stacy comes home because obviously she's feeling guilty about leaving her sister and the whole situation at hand. She's not, you know, she's well aware of what it, what he's capable of. Um, so once she returned home, he immediately went back to forcing himself on her. And she um, had to have known, like, she was, you know, probably going into it going, yeah, I know it's going to pick right back up. Well, yeah, I mean, for sure. And I mean, that was, that would, I don't have a little sister. I mean, other than, you know, you, <laughs> but you know, not biological. Um, I would go back. Just oh, to absolutely. make sure, you know, yeah. I would take on the rape and everything to make sure that my sibling yeah. wouldn't have to take it. Well, and that's, you know, again, I think that's one of the things, like, you know, that she had to have been struggling with for so long to know that, you know, her sister was now taking right. all of this. And even though maybe it wasn't sexual yet, it was going to be there. And her sister would have to live with what she has to live right. with. Um but all right so let's get into it though <laughs> yeah I, don't know if I, can. <laughs> I know i know it's a rough one so okay but when stacy returned home he so he went back to forcing himself on her but this is when at this point this is when she realized she wanted her father dead and she for there was no way to get yeah yeah for her she was like this is the only way out for us um but as i've said before this is where this is where I struggled with the case a bit because the things that, you know, you start reading after this and after hearing all the things that happen and we read everything out of order. You know, mm -hmm. when you find something, you read it and it's not necessarily in the order that this next one you read is. So the information I'm reading is something different. And then I get this other information. Now right. I'm like, well, hell now I got to piece all this together. Well, and I think, you know, this, not just for this case in general media, it, the the way this story is really portrayed like in interviews and everything it seems very much more cut dry yeah she was molested for 10 years you know she all these other things it it comes off as very cut dry but then once you start digging into it <laughs> bingo I think you just said it per you said it exactly the way I, I wanted to say it with that right there is because you're right. When you see the documentaries and everything, it is very cut and dry. The one like we just watched was very cut and dry. It doesn't mention anything we're about to talk about. And then when you dig deeper in this case, you're like, wait a second. Well, well especially the part like, did you ever see anywhere where he beat the hell out of her on her 18th birthday, raped her, spit on her, threw her 40 bucks on her and said happy birthday? Yeah, no. Like... I didn't see that anywhere in any news article, mm -mm. but she said it. Yeah, no, I was just, that, that was the interview I watched. Yeah, so um, let's get into the actual crime. Um, so we talk about her coming home, him going back right back to his old ways. Um, but here's where it gets me. So upon her running, returning home, she started talking with friends about wishing her father was dead. She would talk about either killing him herself or even paying to have someone kill him. Um, a friend of hers named Ron Barnett told her basically what to do to like make his car explode. <laughs> um, and from from court documents, it seems like she tried that, mm -hmm. but it didn't work. <laughs> so so the, this Barnett guy advises her how to like to shoot her father. Um, in such a way that police would suspect a burglar did it. Uh, she later had got a rifle or brought a rifle to her grandparents' home and began practicing to shoot it. Um, again, not, stuff not that was... Not looking good for you, Stacey. No, There's two but things. again, stuff that wasn't said in a lot of those documentaries. Mm -hmm. So around the time of also, let's, let's say also around the time of her return, 
She began fraudulently using her dad's credit cards, casting checks on his bank account. Um, she would have male friends pose as her father on the phone to get authorization to verify that she could use his account. Um, and with the money she was basically, I mean, she was basically stealing from her father. She'd buy car stereos. She bought gifts for other people. She'd buy dinners. She paid Barnett's rent. Um, she paid for hotels. So, I mean, she was out here yeah. spending money and... That's interesting. Yeah. But it, there's, it, there's, but wait, there's but, more. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so before, days before the murder, she apparently had told a friend, Jason Fortune, that her father um, owned different certificates for like deposits, um, at least like $100,000 worth. That's quite a bit of money for back then. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And... She even like she even stated that if he were to die, she would inherit the money. Um, and during trial, he testified that she had like fantasized about what she could buy with all the money that she was gonna get. Um, and after his death, you know, obviously when they're adding everything up of his values, his estate was valued at $482,000. Now, so were they a wealthy family always? Because it didn't seem like it. No, he had just sold his processing business or something like that. Like it meat said. processing? I don't know. It just said processing okay. somewhere I've seen. So, and I'm assuming that would be his, that would be part of his estate, right? I mean, mm -hmm. in right. that yeah. pool. So house and business. It would, no. I don't think it was. I think that's how much he ha had gotten for the business. Okay. Because he also, I seen somewhere, had it his house, and I want to say a vehicle was up for sale. Like they were, he was getting ready to move out of state, if I remember right. Okay. Um, but it also says, you know, that hundred thousand certificate that she talked about. Um, and then a little under $50,000 was in his savings account. And then he also had an insurance policy with death benefits of $180,000. So, yeah, so, there's a lot of money. I mean, cop shows are going to say oh, that's, that's a lot, lot of money of, now. Yeah. That's yeah. buku's back then. Yeah. And that, to me, 100%, I feel like. Yep. So, again, here's where I'm like, okay, well, now we heard all this stuff beforehand, and we're like, oh, you know, she was, and not, I'm not taking away from that, you know, it's 100%. I just don't think the way things played out looked very good looked for her. Looked very good no. in general with the feeling of, I don't want to say pity, but like kind of pity. Like, I don't, you know, I don't feel like this made your your case look so much worse. Oh, because instead did. of now feeling you know one hundred percent bad for you, it's like, well, wait a second, did you now was this premeditated? Was this premeditated? Right. Did you, you do this for money? You've talked to people about, and people. now you want to say you know, oh, it, this is how bad your life was, or is is that part of the premeditation? Did she know like, hey, I'm gonna spend this of he's been doing it for ten years, he just got all this money, I'm gonna shoot him and say it was because of that. Well, and that's, that's what I think makes this difficult for me because I feel like cases like, or things, situations like this are what make people who really went through it get doubted, you know, because here you are like, okay, she may have really went through all of this. And if she did, that's tragic and horrible. But here you are now making yourself look like, well, but did you? Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't doubt the, the sexual abuse for years coming. It just, it sounds like, I mean, he's classic. He was grooming. He's doing all the things that you would expect to see from a, a sexual assault. But you also got to think she was only 18. She was a kid. She was. Yeah. I mean, they don't think right. <laughs> I know damn this well I true. didn't. This you're, is you're true. Right. You're right. They don't think right, but they also, you know... She's telling a friend to kill him. She's she's cashing checks to give him money to do these things to try to kill him. I, I mean, mean, it was proven that he did it because she's not able to have children because of oh, yeah, we got that. everything oh, yeah, that he's done to her. So, you know. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I, I did print out that interview um, that I do want to go over kind of at the end of what she has said now, which I feel like is a bunch of things in there. But let's go to the day of or the day before the shooting um, or the murder. My bad. Spoiler alert. <laughs> um, I mean, come on, we're murder shovels and company yeah, clothes. Yeah, Obviously, okay. <laughs> she could be his ass. Uh, so Stacy and her sister and several others, they went to the VP fair. Um, and if you're from St. Louis, you know all about the VP fair. It's huge. It's, do they still have it? Uh, well, this, you know, COVID. Well, no, I mean, prior to COVID, did yeah. they still have oh, it? Oh, yeah. They're, they're, I don't know. I've actually, at 40 years old, never once, I think, I've been to the VP fair. This year. Oh, I oh, love yeah. to are see they? all I've the freaking... I've never been to it. I think so. I'm pretty sure they said it's going to be, like, the biggest show because of... It's definitely... If you're, if you're a St. Louis whatever they're yeah. called... It's definitely something you have to experience. It's a lot of fun. It's just a ginormous 4th of July fair. Yeah. I mean, fireworks, food, music, everything. Mm -hmm. It's it's huge. Um, so they, they did that earlier in the day. Then they went to a restaurant to eat. Um, they ended up getting a hotel because well, Stacy said she didn't want to go home. Right. She felt like she didn't ever want to go home again. Um, she said they had had a fight prior a to them yeah. leaving to go to the VP. Yeah, thing. yeah. So there, were, there was a fight that made her not want to go home. Um, well, I'm sure that's not the only reason she wanted to go home. Right. <laughs> but um, <laughs> their their father was. Oh wait, no. I'm sorry. They went back home. <laughs> they were worried about their father harming their puppy Prince out of anger. Um, they had a puppy that they just, I guess, adored, and were afraid that he was going to abuse the dog. Because they said he had already said that before, that he would kill it. Yeah, and it said that he was trying to get rid of it as well, like he was trying to get rid of the dog. Um, so at approximately about 4.15, 4.30 a.m., the morning of the 4th of July, um, Stacy and her sister returned back to the house to <clears throat> sneak their dog out, um, and then they were going to spend the night at the hotel. Um, but Stacy didn't enter through the door she entered through a basement window now I wonder, here's where yeah. here's where it gets tricky again because did she enter through the basement window because she knew what she was going to do mm -hmm. or did she enter through the basement window to try to hide from him to try to be sneaky you know to try to not wake him up whatever or um, was it part of the make it look like a burglary burglary that her friend Suggested shooting them and that's what they would do. Yes That again where it gets tricky for me um, So but in the basement is where she saw the rifle leaning against the chair and in her confession She states then is where she decided in that moment. She was going to do it. She was going to kill him um, She then walked upstairs with the rifle and Looked over a ledge her father was sleeping on the couch and she pulled the trigger uh, the first shot hit him in the shoulder um, where he was laying on the couch and basically jolt obviously he jolted awake um, and the the bullet had broke his what is it his collarbone collarbone yeah yeah that's what yeah apparently he was passed out on the couch from the interview I watched he was passed out on the couch and he was so drunk he didn't realize he had been shot he woke up saying you need to call someone I think I broke my collarbone Okay. okay. That's what I mean. That was the one I seen. And that's what I heard too. So yeah, and I. I, I mean, did... how can you be that drunk not right. to know that your ass got shot? <laughs> I, I don't, don't know, man. It. Sometimes <laughs> I wonder if people could sleep through tornadoes, though. Um, but he, so he jumped up. He yelled for her to call help, and it, from the way it sounds, she did go to like find a phone to call for help. Um, but. She she says that she thought to herself at that moment he didn't deserve to live. Um, she went back, found him lying on the couch again. She took the rifle from where she had laid it, and she shot her father at point-blank range in the head, killing him. So that you're talking there's time in between the first shot and the second because she's, like, pausing, panicking, looking for the phone. and Was she really panicking, though? I mean, would you? That's what I'm I I heard that he was calling her names, like because she couldn't find the phone. He was calling he was her calling derogatory her names and stuff like that. And she was just like, you know what, fuck it. Yeah. And, decided, and again, this is where it takes you it. to that, you know, that moment of did she really reach her breaking point? 
to where, you know, she just, she snapped and she was like, never again. Um, I think it would be really easy and super okay to come to that conclusion. However, I think some of her conversations with friends, um, the cashing checks, the credit cards, the, that, that makes you look guilty. Like, that makes you look guilty of, I thought about this for a while. I know he sold his business. I know he's got money. So, okay. Hold up. Okay, so, I said I wasn't going to say anything. But y'all know I was sexually assaulted by my grand, my father's father. He's been dead, what, 14 years now. He actually died the day after my birthday, 14 years ago. To this day, I can, and... You're going to be like, I can't believe you're saying that. But to this day, I can honestly say if that man were to walk up to me, I would do anything and everything to kill that son of a bitch. Oh, I'm sure. And this was twice. Yeah. She did it for 10 years. Yeah. And and again, that's what, I, that's what I'm saying. Like, for people who have truly been through it, I feel like this makes, you know, here... Everything she did to him... You have to sit here... You know, now money. you have to sit here as someone else, even to say that you're skeptical about what happened, you know, makes you feel like... Ugh, I feel horrible for saying that because there I, is people who... I, I think mean, the birthday thing does need to be discussed. I know you kind of briefly, like, went over some of it. But, I mean, I think that really puts it into perspective of how much he literally thought she was a piece of shit. She was a piece of, yeah. I mean, I mean not even just... You beat the hell out of her. You rape her, wasn't it, in the kitchen or something like that? He... Raped her, spit on her, threw her 40 bucks and said, happy birthday. Not only had a piece a of shit, but, oh, cut her hair off. She had a ponytail and he literally took a kitchen knife, right. cut it off whatever hair he had left in her hand. It said he threw her on the ground and then did all of that. Yeah, and that was in. I'd her have own, killed his ass then. That was in her own words, like that. Yeah. Oh no, that was yes. Like that was her own interview. She said what he did, how it happened. Um, now, <laughs> I feel like I have to play the devil's advocate here because we got to circle back to she's not done making this look horrible though, you guys. Like so, this all happened, and she. After the murder, she takes the rifle. She leaves through the same basement window in which she entered. She and her sister spent the night in the hotel. And the next day, she took the rifle to Barnett for him to dispose of. Which he he later sold it. And, you know, once all the confessions and everything came out, he said who he sold it to. But so she took the rifle to get rid of it. Um... All of that screams pretty Yes, and then the next day, her and that fortune guy, um, they went to her house. They went back to the house, and they cleaned out her car. That's my only question right there. Why did they clean out the car? For I, why? I don't. It. I don't know. It says they cleaned out her car. Right, and you hear but, that everywhere. She cleaned. They cleaned out the car. I guess maybe, I mean, she obviously had to have blood or something in her, so maybe she drove her car that night or something, and they were trying to finish cleaning out the car, but they staged the scene and made it to where, oh, well, here, if I had just read a little further, <laughs> shitballs, um, they staged it to where she was outside cleaning her car, and he went in the house. So that's right, that's right. He that's came right, outside right. yelling, like, Stacy, call. call the right. police, call that's the police. Right. So her neighbors would hear it. So right. that's what the car... So I again, premeditated. premeditated. yep. Again. She um, didn't go in and find him. Her friend did. Yeah. Made it, you know... And then made sure to come out know. loudly enough to say, you know, call the police. And so naturally... You know, when the cops get there, they're they're just being questioned at this point. They're not suspects. They're just being questioned. But the fortune guy, you know, speaking to him implicates, you know, cops are smarter than what most people think, you know, being a criminal. They're like, oh, I'm going to outsmart them. But uh, he actually implicates her where at that point she becomes a suspect. They read her her Miranda rights. Um, and she ultimately admits uh, there was one interview i watched that the detective said he knew Sorry. he knew immediately upon walking in that room that she was guilty right yeah but 
So they read her Miranda rights, they arrest her, um, you know, naturally they go to trial. They try to, you know, pull all these things of she wasn't saying of mine, you know, she was sexually abused. Um, they tried to say, they tried to do self-defense. Um, we kind of briefly touched on this. And it was obviously denied as self-defense. They did not bring that even to the testimony or whatever. Um, I personally agree with that because I feel like self-defense is in the moment when you're defending yourself. And I don't necessarily, based on the way it reads, I don't think that at the time it was self-defense. Okay, so my thought process with that is, okay, so I understand she shot... He wasn't aware, so he didn't know he had been shot yet. He literally just thinks, okay, my collarbone's broke. She's looking for the phone. I think that was her panic time. But now he's cussing them out, calling them sluts, calling them all these, you know, bad things. Is that when that self-defense kicked in? And she thought, holy shit, once he finds out I've shot him, he is going to fucking kill me. Okay, but he was... He was laying on the couch, and she shot him point blank. So, to me, I'm not sure how much self-defense that is. Now, if he was, if it says he was charging her, yeah, and she shot, then to me, I would feel like, okay, maybe at that point. I mean, either way, she still shot him first off, and that's a whole different charge. We're not disputing. She's never disputed that. But yeah. I wouldn't call it physically self-defense. Mentally, yes. You think kind of what I was saying? She was so terrified. That Your I, head is so fucked up. Which I understand that, but that's that now becomes a different stress syndrome. I mean, everything. But that's, that's all different though when it comes to the See, law no. system. Mm -mm. So you can't you can't fight something for self defense. When they're dead, that's a present. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I looked at but it. But if you're gonna charge, if you're gonna run these charges back, you got to think. Okay, well, if you know, they break it down. It's technically not self-defense. Now physical. you can fight. Now you can turn around and fight PTSD. Now you can turn around and fight battered wife syndrome. Mm -hmm. And now you can throw all these other charges. But to say self-defense, I think you definitely need to throw that one out the window. And maybe let's bring it back to the fact of the battered, the battered women, yeah. the battered wife syndrome, the battered, you know, because yeah. she was that. So, but the problem with that is she never brought that up. <clears throat> as a defense well and they said the interviews that they did of people never never did they find anything about physical or sexual abuse through the people they never had an inkling that they needed to look into that yeah and I, you know again we go back from the the ptsd um nightmares flashbacks feeling detached estranged there was something in there that said they don't necessarily think that they would say, what was it? Disso Dissociative disorder. Yeah. yeah. Where she didn't know what gaps. she was doing. Yeah. Miss. Missing gaps of the day of the life. But she they... was consistent pretty much though, right? Uh, no, she, she did change her story up a couple times in a couple different interviews. Um, and then she literally, there was parts she said, I don't remember. So Which I mean, is common. Oh, it's very common. But it sounds like... She didn't, but when she had the opportunities to present all of this, like for her, whether it was her lawyer or her attorney or whatever, they didn't fight any of these. Yeah. They didn't bring any of these things to fight for. Because there was no evidence of sexual assault, they were made aware, the jury was made aware of it, right? but was not presented like her testimony of what the assault and all that was. To me, how? How, how is that not part of this case? Like, why were they not... They should have been privy to all of that. Yeah, but how much was she telling them? I don't know. Well, and yeah, and it doesn't sound like she really... She said she was sexually abused, you know, as a child and stuff, but she didn't... Doesn't seem like she went into detail until after she was basically sentenced. And then that's when all her appeals... Now talk about, oh, well, you know, battered wife. And, oh, now, you know, why wasn't this done? Why didn't they push forward on this? So that's what she did in her appeals. But her original case, they didn't they didn't do any of that. Um, so she, 
she um, was okay. So the testimony that because they took her into custody pretty much right away. Yeah, immediately. I mean, next day. yeah. Um, so on any of them videos, because they always record. Does she say like I killed him because? Oh, you know what? No, she did say something. She said she couldn't even admit at that time that he had raped right. her. Right, she couldn't say the word. Yeah, that's what I was she saying. She literally did, would just say he hurt me. Kept on saying he yeah. hurt me. Yeah. So that that was what 1990. So in 1992, she was convicted of first degree murder, and she received the mandatory sentence of life in prison without the possibility of probation or parole. Um, now, again, we go back to her sister. Her sister confessed to conspiring to commit murder, and she was sentenced to five years in prison. Um, she was released after serving two and a half years. Um, so now, meanwhile, so Stacy was sentenced to life in prison. Um, obviously, she has appeals, and it looks like they appealed the case once, and it was pretty much denied. The second appeal, it looks like when they brought up um, a lot more of now she's talking about what has happened. Now she wants, you know, now she can say what has happened to her and what the situation is. Um, and they ultimately, which I think was kind of smart on their part, um, they weren't necessarily going to have the sentence changed other than they wanted the parole. They wanted the possibility of probation or right. parole. Yep. They weren't saying she wasn't guilty. They weren't saying she didn't deserve, you know, a life sentence. But they wanted the possibility of probation or parole. Um, so it looks like that was all in the works. And what was it? The lawyer or the the district attorney or something had died before that appeal. Oh, actually went through. Yeah, could go through. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. I was gonna say I thought that's what I had read. Um, and she had also had two requests for clemen clemency, clemency yep. right? Mm -hmm. Um, again, the first one I think is when that happened, somebody had died before it could happen. The, um, second, the second one, they let someone else go. She remember they only did five or something. Yeah. She missed like the cutoff of yeah. people or yep. something they, like that. They only did five and she was not included. Right. Um, but I guess on her second appeal is when... We had gotten, Missouri had gotten uh, Governor Matt Blunt, um, who took office in January of 2005. Um, so she's been in what, prison three years then? No, she was convicted no. in 92, right? But she had already, she had been in jail since the day after. So whatever day after yeah. it happened. So 90 She was convicted in 92. Yeah. 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 And then, so he got into office. He. Um, when did he get in office? 2000 and I don't know where to go. 2005. He got an office in 2005. She'd been in there a minute. Yeah, she'd been in there five years. Yeah. 92 to 2005. She went to prison in 92. I thought it happened in 1990, y'all. It, it happened in 1990. 1990 to 2005 is 15 years. <laughs> 2005 is when he become yes. governor? Yes. Yeah, oh, five. shit. Okay. That, that's yeah. my math. <laughs> I can't do math, period. So <laughs> whatever y'all to say is what happens because I can't do math. She went to jail July 5th of 90. Yeah. So, okay, so... um like in 95? Nine years or five years is what I could... Yeah, so that's still 95 to 2005, yeah. still 10 years. <laughs> so in 2005, he took office. Matt Blunt took office. Okay, so now here we are years later. She's going through all her peer appeals and everything. Um, in 2009, he commuted her life, her life sentence, stating <clears throat> that after extensive review of all the facts, both cases, um, he's commuting her sentence for... Her and her sister, who both suffered extensive abuse before they took action against the men who raped them and subject them to other horrible physical and emotional abuse. Absolutely. So, in 2009, he made this statement, and she was immediately released. Now, they weren't even going for that, though. She no, was they were just super, going for right. right. Yeah. They were super shocked that it went all the way immediate right. release. Time served. Yeah. Immediate release. So immediately, like yeah. she was immediately released. She said um, it was six days. I yeah. think in one of the interviews it was six days, and she was free. Mm -hmm. You know, 
So, so naturally, you know, she gets out. Um, she has, she has now started a couple different resource groups, um, nonprofits. She has one called Healing Sisters, um, and then the other one was the Bail Project. Mm -hmm. The Bail Project, where they're trying to help people, um, basically, with their bonds, and you know, if they oh. can. Um, not having to wait so long for their bail to be posted or their bonds to be, because you know you can't get a bond until you see a judge. Right. Um, so the bail project is supposed to, like I guess, help speed that along. They they go in and they try to speed that process along so you can get a bail sooner than what you originally would. Um, but she then went on. She went on. She graduated from Southeast Missouri State in 2014 um, with a degree in psychology. And she is actually now a public defender for Missouri. That is amazing. So she well, actually... She just recently, what, a few years ago, became a public defender, right? Uh, I don't know. I didn't have I a year on I think it's in 2018. Yeah, I don't okay, know. Okay, so let's go from, like, worst case, growing up, miserable, you know, horrible family life, molested for 10 years, you know, beat, kicked, right, to... Questionable, you know, yeah. questionable to she's done great things now. She's made a nonprofit. Now she's defending. Yeah, I mean, yeah. now, now that, you know, circling back to that, the, this interview that I found with her speaks to her after the fact, after she, you know, had been released, it kind of talks about, um, you know, what happened to her. Um, and I, I definitely wanted to talk over this cause I felt like this interview was kind of, I mean, it said a lot. And um, like you said, Heather, she had developed a pelvic infl inflammatory disease because of frequent rapes. And she found out at 17 that she, that was the case and she would never be able to have kids. I'd have killed him just for so that. So now, mind you, so here we are again. At yep. 17, she finds out she has this disease from being raped her entire life. She's yep. no longer going to be able to have kids. Well, at 18, she kills him. Like, now we're circling back to that. Okay, you know... Like, yeah, it's, this is a hard one. Yeah. Yeah. So she definitely, she admits to that. She admits that it was hard. You know, that was a hard pill to swallow. Um, she was asked if she, if she was to put herself in her father's presence again, would she? And she stated, I don't know. Um, as I am, as who I am now, I would say, yes, I would. If nothing else, just for the opportunity to tell him that I forgive him and to ask for forgiveness from me. Um, and they say that she paused for quite a long time before she before answered she that. answered that. Yeah. So I mean, so that you know that was from her heart. She meant, that I mean, was that's from her heart. She felt. Yeah. 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 And they asked her. She's better like, than me because I couldn't ask for forgiveness. <laughs> mm -mm. They asked her why she hesitated, and she she said, you know, I really had to think. If I were in his presence, would I would I be instantly stripped of all that I've become, or would I be able to <clears> hang on to it? Um, truly, 18 years in prison, I became a new person. Right. Um, she basically says, they then ask her, do you regret your 18 years in, in prison? And she states, I regret the actions that led me there, but I really like who I've become. I wish it was less time, but shame is extremely powerful in my mm -hmm. life. And whether people believe I was abused or wasn't abused, I was incarcerated for 18 years. I rendered unto Caesar. Truly, it should satisfy the harshest cynic. <clears throat> Having that behind me, it moves me forward where otherwise I might stop because of shame. So she she ultimately feels like she she knows what she did. Mm -hmm. um, She's never ever remotely tried to deny yeah, what that she, she shot him. Yeah. Like, and I think that's one of the things that you know she knew what she did. She didn't. I'm not gonna say she didn't have remorse, but she knew she killed him, mm -hmm. and she was okay with that. Yeah, and then they asked her, "Do you think what you did was hard to forgive?" She says, "I think it was understandable, but after 18 years of incarceration, I know the power of a human has to change, and my deepest regret is my father will never have that opportunity because of me." They said, do you ever worry that having killed someone would make it easier for you to kill again? She states, I really walked that line, but once you realize you're capable of crossing a line and what kind of person does that make you, 
Um, she says, I had to put that in context. The amount of fear I felt, the anger and how trapped I felt, it took a lot of psychology courses so I could understand how it was possible for me to cross that line. And once I realized that, pretty much anyone is capable of doing this. It helped me find forgiveness for myself. I could absolutely see that. Sounds like she has done a lot of work on herself. Like, Yeah, I mean... And it, you know, it does, it sounds like, and that's why I wanted to read these because there was a few of them that, um, it just really like, so they asked, this one is what I think really pulls full circle for her, um, in this interview is they state, you know, the interviewer states, if I was in prison with no parole, I think I'd lose a sense of who I am. You know, how did you handle it? How did you stay strong? And her comment was. You see, that was the thing. I didn't know who I was before I went into prison. Mm -mm. So I discovered in there who I truly was. And I think that is what I'm proudest of. I know who I am, and I always tell people, there are three things I hope you find in prison. God, forgiveness, and yourself. And you wouldn't have one without the other two. You can't forgive without God's presence in your life, and you can't forgive yourself if you don't know who you are. All right. Yeah. She dropped some good knowledge. Uh, yeah. And, I, and, and then, you know, they go on to say, well, what role did religion play for you? And she says, honestly, not much, not much of one. We went to work, to church every once in a while. Um, she says my mom would get on a roll. <coughs> Sorry. But that would only last for so long. She said, I didn't have a strong belief in God because I had asked God to make this stop and it didn't. Mm. My life was such a hell that I couldn't believe in any saving grace. And then it goes on to say that she states, you know, it took me finding myself to find God to realize that, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't him that was doing that, you know, that was causing all of this. I needed to find myself to figure it out. There was, so, I mean, there was one that she was talking about, another interview that um, one of the things they asked her is, what do you, if anything, do you miss anything from prison? And she said, yeah, my alone time with God. She goes, you're in there. It's quiet. She goes, you have a lot of talking to do, you know. Yeah. Um, and she goes, and then, you know, I'm here, and you get consumed with life. You have all these, you know, other things that. So, I mean, she definitely know. You can tell she has a connection. Yeah. They said she spirit. did a lot of good things in jail, too. Like, yeah. she was part of a dog training program for therapy dogs yeah. or something like That's that. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, she was, like, head of, what's it called when you bring your kids to jail? So they can start acting right. Uh, oh, scared straight type yeah. stuff. <laughs> head of the program of the scared straight shit there. Yeah. Um, and then had like this little group of the younger kids coming into prison and, you know, leading them to have a better life once they right. got out or whatnot. Well, and I, and I think that, you know, she says <clears throat> that. She says, you know, I like... Basically, she says, I'm not taking away what I did. I'm not making, you know, just fine. She's like, but I served my 18 years. I did 18 years. You know, I did a lot of soul searching. I realized what I did was wrong. You know, I realized that just because of what happened to me it was not okay for me to kill my father, but it doesn't change what I did and why I did it. Like, so she has had the time to kind of, you know, just say... Other people may not agree or may not be at peace, but she's at peace with it. Absolutely. I mean, and I feel like she's, you can tell, for her to be able to talk the way she does, she's put a lot of work into herself. She's looked really deep. She's and done a some, lot of soul searching. <laughs> she has dealt with some some personal demons. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, and those are demons that will never go away. Never. You know? Yeah. Never go away. Yeah. Um, never. <laughs> never. Uh, and it, you know... I know that for a lot of people, you know, this is, like you said, a hard subject to talk about, but it's got to be talked about. It's got to be known. Um, do you have any comfy facts for us about this particular situation? Well, hold on. Before we do them, um, let's get some Facebook interaction. What's some thoughts of the viewers? What do you guys think? I like, how, I mean, let's, let's start, you know, I agree. tell us what you think or no, I don't agree with this. I agree. You know, I can see, I can see the views and I can see the listens and somebody's listening, but we ain't getting up talking. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to need some talking. Being well, and I definitely feel like this is one that it causes right. a lot of, are you? I just want to know why 
I mean, at 18 years old, they gave her life in prison without a possibility of parole. There's people that's done crazier shit, killed more people. I think it's just the this poor chick. Get. I mean, the judicial system's fucked up. Yeah, it's the system and it's the people. You never know what you're going to get. Yep. <laughs> but what you got? All right, so I got a couple. Comfy facts. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. Let's see. It says one in three girls are sexually sexually assaulted before the age of eighteen. One in five boys are sexually assaulted before the age of eighteen. My phone's going crazy. <laughs> then it says every sixty-eight seconds an American is sexually assaulted, and every nine minutes the victim is a child. Meanwhile, only 25 out of every 1,000. Hang on. <laughs> it keeps on saying to website. Go to website. Uh, assault, assaulters will end up in prison. So, so only run 20, that back. Okay. Every 68 seconds, an American is, is sexually assaulted. Every nine minutes, that victim is a child. Meanwhile... Only 25 assaulters or rapists or whatever out of every 1,000 will end up in prison. Wow. That's sad. And that, you know, that's a lot of the, they stay silent, you yeah. know, because, and I, again, I think you're walking a fine line because you got people who stay silent and then you got people who, you know, truly say the stuff out of vengeance or whatever the case may be. Right. And and that's where I think it gets tough. Um, so we hope that, you know, if, if this is happening to you or happened to you, now is the time, the world we live in, speak up, say something, talk to somebody. Tell um, someone. Yeah, tell someone. Just, you know, get this out there, guys. And just protect our babies, protect our kids, be cautious of who your children are around. Right. Pay attention. Listen. Listen to your fucking kids. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I get it. Mine's five, and she loves to make up stories, but analyze them stories. Talk to her. You know, figure out what is going on. If something is happening, get to the bottom of it. Don't just be like, oh, she's just a kid. We're going to move on. Like, no, something has triggered this. Well, and there's been a lot of discussions with, like, the wording. Use the correct terminology to your children so they know to tell you. Yeah. Not, oh, he touched my... And let them tell you. Yeah. Not, right. oh, he touched my cookie. No. He touched my vagina or he touched my private part. Yeah. Like, yeah, and I think it's important to know to the words. Let them, let them tell you. Don't be like, oh, well, you know, so did he touch you here? You know, did he touch you here? Yes. And the kid just be like, yeah. Like, ask them where did, you know, where? Yeah. Like, be cautious with your kids. Um, you can find list of signs on the internet of, you know, to that. It's just lists, you know, that you can read that your child may be sexually abused or, you know, if they, you know. The signs for the it, sign, yeah. yeah. the <laughs> signs of it. And I mean, you know, your kid may not come to you. My grandfather told me if I told anyone, he would kill him. He would kill my mom. He would kill my dad. He would kill my brothers. I wasn't going to say shit. I didn't want them dead. And by the grace of God, my mom walked in and heard him talking. Or I, to this day... I don't think, I mean, I guess I now I would now because he's 14 years he's been dead, but to this day, I don't think I would have said anything. Yeah. Because I was afraid he would kill him. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's cold hard facts. That's the <clears throat> truth. Um, so, guys, check us out on Facebook, yep. Twitter, uh, Murder Shows, Comfy, Murder Shows, and Comfy Clothes on Loco, both is Twitter and Facebook. Um, you can find us at www.murdershowsandcomfyclothes.com. Um, and like Stacy said, you know, give us some, give us some talking, give us some opinions. Let us know what you guys think. Shoot us some cases. Um, you know, we try to try our best to find good cases for you guys, but there's a lot of just fucked up shit out there. So it's ciphering through it doesn't help to have some hurt. 
some help. Not hurt. <laughs> Does it help to hurt? Guys, <laughs> last week I said this bitch. I don't, you know, my mouth just says what it wants to. It's called so. rented mouth or something like that. Rented, I rented mouth. Ah, uh, we have. You guys, the studio we record, Loco, um, is amazing, by the way. But we have these awesome tables that we record on. Oh, my God. I love um, looking at them. And I'm going to take a picture and post it because we have a sticker to add to the table. And I'm really excited. I know, right? <laughs> uh, so we're going to put our sticker on this table. And we're going to sign out, guys. So we hope everyone has a good day. Real so. quick, real quick. Oh, Lord. I started working on merchandise yesterday. So it Ooh. is coming. Oh, I will right. be posting a picture of... Our first piece. Oh, look at you! On the I'm website so, page, so I mean, on the Facebook page, of something that I did do. So, so be looking for me. If you see me, blow your horn. Yes. Oh, yes, that's right. <laughs> I can't wait to show you guys. Um. So yeah, everyone have a good one. Check us out, and we'll be back. So until then, stay, stay comfy. comfy. Don't, don't get, get murdered. murdered.